Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. Today we're talking about DevOps or Agile or Iterative Development, whatever you want to call it, but it's about getting applications and new capabilities to the users faster and more securely. I moderated a recent panel at the HR DevOps Summit. My guests were Bill Hunt, the Mission Operations Lead in the Office of Management and Budgets, Office of the Federal CIO, Rob Hill, the Executive Officer for DevOps at the IRS, and Bill Pratt, the Director of Strategic Technology Management for the Homeland Security Department. First, we hear from Bill Pratt of DHS. As part of my job, or really my primary job, is to do the system development lifecycle, and that means all the Agile and DevOps rollout across DHS. And so we're still kind of a nascent agency, right, although we've been around since about 05. But we've got 22 different uh, components. We've got 22 different CIOs, 22 different chief acquisition executives, and I have a very understaffed uh, group at headquarters. I work for the CTO. We're trying to... Uh, get all these kind of cats working in the same manner. So we've got some really outstanding agencies where they're, I call them my starships, and some places I still have stagecoaches, right? So USCIS, fabulous, ICE, fabulous in a lot of ways, and many of the other big seven of our uh, components are doing great. But what my job is to kind of steal liberally from the cool things they're doing and try to redistribute those across the rest of the agencies. Speaking about the Agile, and I was just in the federal IT dashboard the other day, one of the things we do is actually I have the privilege of feeding that from DHS on behalf of the CIO. I just have to say, I thought I was the only one that looked at that. It, yeah, it's pretty sad. I mean, yeah. not, not much of a social life here. Though. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that says about Jason, but you know, it, it means every bad thing you might think about it for me. So, um, but you know, it's crazy. I noticed that indeed, that you know, it's about 20 or 30 days longer for agile development than it is for waterfall. So I, you know, truth be told, guys, and I, any of my OMB buddies are in the audience, the, the calculations that need a little work, and we'll be talking with them about that. But, and, and they are redoing that right now. There's a, a memo out where they're actually going to be redoing the way they do the CPIC uh, uh, numbers and the way that they track agile for the Fatara scorecard and things like that. So we're looking forward to, to feeding that. But we do use that tool to track. You know, one of the things we are proud to say is that we, across DHS, we, we insist, we actually wrote it into policy back in 2014, signed to 2016, that if you're developing software at DHS, you must be agile, or you have to have a very compelling reason why. And right now, there's only one of our major programs that, that are not uh, developing in an agile manner. But that's all self-reported. And so I, I trust but verify, right, like old uh, President Reagan used to say. So I'm actually going to, we actually wrote uh, an update to the policy this year that insists on programs using agile, a set of agile core metrics. And we rolled out 1.0 of those about a year ago. We got some data in. And uh, there's some of them we're frankly going to toss out. We found them less than helpful. And we're uh, going for a 2.0 of those here pretty soon as well. But those must be reported. So all of our major programs need to come every six months. They need to come back to the uh, Undersecretary for Management, who the CIO works for at DHS, much to the chagrin of uh, uh, Congress members on the Vitara Committee. But um, they got to say what they did. And we basically roadmap out six months at a time. And... Uh, and, it, and it's working out pretty good. We're doing okay. We're not, not doing as well as I would like, but we're doing pretty well. And the way we're getting there, I'll wrap up with what we did back in like 14, really, really back to 2012. I went to a lot of these Agile conferences and realized all these new buzzwords. I get why the Agile community did it. They wanted a clean break from the waterfall past. 
but half my IT program managers across the had no idea what a ceremony was. They're like, what do you pop champagne every time you put a sprint out? What do you, what's that all about? I didn't know for like a half a year. I'm like, what's this ceremony thing? So we wrote this, these things at DHS called the Agile Building Blocks. Ten very simple lay IT, you know, you had to know IT to understand what they are, but basically get your business owner involved, right? Get him or her to approve every release, every sprint, you know, get your, get your requirements out of a book, get them in a tool. That's one of the, and so those very simple ones, right? Things like that. Uh, there's 10 of them because there was actually nine, but I wanted the math to be easier for the metric. So there's 10 of them. And the last two are scaling. And believe it or not, we, we tackled and mastered contracting before we got these last two. I thought contracting would be the last one, but uh, Soraya and her team you know, kicked my butt and said, you know, take that, we got this covered. So scaling is big, right? We still need to get better scaling across the agencies, but DevOps was the last big one, now DevSecOps. And so um, what we're doing, that USCIS has a really great model. They got, have something called team managed deployment where you have to qualify for DevOps. You can't just immediately start sticking stuff in production, right? So you have to qualify that you know how to do it, the pipeline is right. And at the policy perspective, which is, I write this with a number of peers at other offices at the department. You know, right now, in policy this very moment, it says you must, for every release to production at DHS, you must have a sign off by the lead technical authority, lead business authority, and the program manager. You, if you're doing that, you're non-compliant. So some of our more, more advanced programs are a little bit non-compliant, but I'm the guy that's got to go chase them down, so I'm not chasing them. So what we are, we're making a policy change right now to say that in addition to that, if you're doing waterfall, you still have to do that. But if you're doing DevOps, those three people have to sign off on the delivery pipeline. And that's going to free us from a policy perspective to, to go forward. And then we're going to take the USCAS model plus a lot of good work we're doing with my peers at the, at the CTO office. They have something called Cloud Factory they've purchased to help folks kind of get a step up into the cloud. And that's about as much a technical aspect of that you're going to get from me. But that's going to let us get there. That's going to let us get the next step. By the end of this fiscal year, I'm not going to have everybody doing DevOps or DevSecOps at DHS, but everybody, there will be a process by which if they qualify and they work towards it, they can get up there and do DevOps. Go. All right, so there's a ton to follow up with you on, and, and I could, we could talk about the new OMB memo, but Bill's here, so maybe he can help out on that one. But if not, let's real quick talk about your metrics. You said about a year ago you put up a set of metrics. Right. You, you went through them and said, okay, we're going to make some changes. Walk me through what maybe some of those metrics are or were, and then what changes, what would you discover over the last year that you said, oh, well, this worked, or maybe this didn't work as well as we thought it would. Can you walk us through a little bit? Some of them, to be honest, at the beginning, and there were 17 of them, number one, which is like anytime you're like in double digits and trying to push that across an agency, it's probably a lot, but a lot of them were informational. We just wanted to see, some of them are just, what's your team size? How many teams do you have? And we wanted to track those across you know, all the uh, programs to see just kind of how they were doing. But those were, they weren't well reported anyway. I won't say people weren't like, you know, sending them in, but people weren't sending them in. You only have so much time, so much energy, and what you're going to go, you know, push for and what you're not going to push for. But some of the things that we really like are, and we are strengthening these, these now, is like when you have an idea or you pull something out of a backlog, how long does it take to get that usable functionality of the field, right? So the, pro the product owner has said, yeah, I want that. I want that in this sprint, or I want that in this release. 
And when that's pulled out of the backlog and put into the work, how long does that take to get out to the field? That is one thing that they're, we're really interested in. You know, and then uh, we're also putting into some things on, and these are newer, like on the feedback loops. We really didn't have enough metrics in there to talk about the feedback loops. It was kind of inherent in the process that if the product owner was pulling things out that, that they would get the feedback. But the product owner is one thing, and, and they're awesome, right? I mean, those are the people who are going to determine what we're going to put out there. But at the end of the day, it's the users who have to decide if this thing is valuable or not. And there wasn't really significant, uh, significant um, feedback from the users, we felt. And so we're trying to capture, and we're actually literally met with them. I'll drop a name. J.J. Sutherland was at our house yesterday, and helping us th uh, talk through this as well. And um, we, so we're about to put out 2.0 of those things. But that was the uh, biggest thing is, you know, and really all Agile really is, I mean, to me, at the simplest thing is get, get it in front of the users fast. Does this thing work or not? If not, adjust and, and put something back out. We have to take a break. You just heard from Bill Pratt, the Director of Strategic Technology Management at the Homeland Security Department. Today I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the recent ATARC DevOps Summit. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the recent ATARC DevOps Summit. In this segment of the show, you hear from Bill Hunt, the Mission Operations Lead at OMB's Office of the Federal CIO, and then Rob Hill, the Executive Officer for DevOps at the IRS. Obviously, all of the topics we're talking about today are really relevant to our office. It's basically what we oversee and we do at the end of the day. So you hear mention of the IT dashboard. That's the thing that our office puts together and puts out for agencies to look at for the public to know what's going on in federal agencies. Since you did start to drill into uh, some of our numbers there, if I might uh, dive in. I, don't, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here. This is just my opinion and not necessarily the official statement of OMB. But when I hear that agencies say that most of their projects, over half, are agile and simultaneously they they release every six months. There's um, some discrepancy there that concerns me. And, you know, I sit down with CIOs and I hear the stories like exactly what we heard from the other bill. You know, I sit down with them and they're like, we were modernizing. We are an agile organization now. We deliver four times a year and we can patch in 30 days. And we only have to get requirements six months in advance now, which is very quick for us. And we are the most agile organization in our department. And that's what I hear day in and day out. Not every agency. There are a lot that have matured and are moving much faster than that, but there's still large pockets of agile that is not agile. And again, I'm, I'm a DevSecOps practitioner that suddenly found himself in the policy world, and this scares me. This definitely scares me, especially with the increasing vulnerabilities that we're seeing on a day-to-day -day basis. We're not moving quickly enough uh, to respond to the risks that we have. And we still are proceeding through old clipboard-based exercises uh, for our security practices, uh, and we're not, on the whole, doing DevSecOps um, as we should be, and as the private industry has already been doing for years and years and years. So these, these things worry me at the end of the day. What we're trying to do about it from an OMB perspective is set good policy, set good guidelines, um, and remove the policy barriers from agencies' ways so they can do these sorts of things. So when you hear agencies say you have to have everyone sign off on every release and it takes you know 15 different officials up to your deputy secretary, those are the sorts of things we're trying to make sure that agencies are trying to move away from so that you can have these rapid release cycles. Uh, to that end, I think everybody by now knows about our uh, Cloud Smart strategy that we released the draft of last year, hoping to get out in the very near future the final version. Um, and we try to address some of these concerns in there as well. I think most everybody seeing some head nodding, 
most people have read it. Um, it's not too dry. It's not too bad. It's worth a look. Um, but we really address, you know, three key program areas that we're trying to improve on. Uh, procurement, obviously a big concern in trying to move the needle on these things. Um, workforce and security, of course, is the core of all the things that we're doing. And to that end, we also start talking a lot about not just IT modernization, which is always the, the trend. We're always modernizing, right? Every two years, we're modernizing something else and something else. I mean, technology is an ongoing process of modernization. It's, it's not a new buzzword. It's not a new thing we're going to do. We're always going to be modernizing through the practice. So what we start to try to tease out in CloudSmart is maturity instead. As an agency, you need to be mature. You need to embrace the fact that technology is literally just about culture change, end to end, day in, day out. It really excites me to hear the DOD up here saying that you need to learn these things in your own organization, that you need to embrace DevSecOps as an organization. There are some fantastic vendors out there. They will teach you how to do it. They will show you the ropes. But at the end of the day, if your organization is not embracing these sorts of culture change to drive this agility, you're never going to mature. You're never going to get to that modernization state, you're always going to be delivering yesterday's technology tomorrow. And that doesn't move the government ahead. So I think we could drill down and talk a lot about metrics and pieces like that too that I find interesting, but I don't want to belabor the point for right now, and I want to pass it to the esteemed uh, Mr. Hill. Not yet, not yet. Not yet? Not yet. No. I got my uh, question in. Follow-up question. It's, it's the ask the CIO part of, of... The one thing that stands out to me is when we talk a little bit about metrics and you talk about easing the policies, there's modular contracting policies... There are cloud policies, there are security policies, but there's not a, well, lack of a better word, DevSecOps policy or, or any sort of agile policy. I know you don't, you're not necessarily in charge of de developing the policies, but what I think a lot of agencies struggle with is, okay, well, where do I go to find how to do it? There's digital playbooks, and then there's you know, the tech far, and then, there's, and then there's, there's this kind of overload. How do you simplify kind of when agencies come to you and be like, we're doing agile, and you dig in and you find out, all right, they're maybe not as agile as they think they are. How does OMB or how does USDS or whomever help them kind of get the step in that right direction? It can definitely be overwhelming. There's a lot of conflicting information out there. There's a lot of outdated information out there. It's definitely a struggle. We're trying to address it from a few different routes. Uh, one of them is trying to bring together a lot of the most modern information into the cloud information portal and some of those efforts that we're doing. We generally send people to the DAU uh, when they have questions. They want to know how to like actually implement a lot of these things as well. It's a hard problem, though. The problem is, is that most agencies aren't at the same level of maturity. Everybody's at a different step in the process. And there isn't like a one-size-fits-all solution for that. You know, there isn't a universal guide that is going to tell them for the culture problems you have in your organization. I say culture, not technology. For the culture problems you have in your organization, to get to the next step, you need to do A, B, C, D, F, G. That's not a thing that exists. And I don't know that that's something we'd want to exist. By the time we'd be able to produce such a thing in an online video and a course you could go to, it would be out of date quite frankly. The best you can do is talk to your peers. Again, we have some great organizations that help you meet with the other people who are the practitioners in the field, with the other policy leaders. CIO is going to the CIO council. You can find out what the best practices are at that time, and you can kind of aim for that. But again, it's a constant state of change. You can't just pick a dot and aim for that because the goal will have moved by the time you get to it. You kind of have to drive that maturity path through Agile, through DevSecOps, through all of these internal cultural practices to make sure the organization is constantly moving um, and not just aiming for one particular target. How much of this is driven by the business side versus the CIO technology side, meaning who's driving the 
DevSecOps or DevOps train in your in your when you talk to CIOs and others and agencies? Do you get a sense? Yeah, generally speaking, it depends on the level of maturity of the agency, of course. Overall, we see that CIOs are the ones who are leading the charge most regularly, but um, that's usually just do the introductory conversation. Once you start explaining what you actually get, what the delivery of the capabilities instills in your organization, then you can get buy-in all the way at the chain and you'll get a lot of more enthusiasm. You know, when we talk to people um, about it, it's really about moving customer service uh, and moving ahead on mission delivery capabilities. That's really what you're unlocking by doing these processes. And once you start talking in those terms, then the business case is, is obvious. Better customer service, great. That is a thing that we need and that's the thing that we want for the business case. Um, and it ties together very quickly. I did that on purpose. I teed it up just for Rob to take the mic and, and tell us about how IRS is driving that change. My name is Rob Hill. I'm the uh, IRS executive lead for our implementation of DevOps. So what does that mean? Well, uh, and this makes it easy. I can just say, well, as Bill said, as, as Bill said, they talked about maturity and some of the uh, components that go along with this journey, right? He said the technology is always on this journey. And he ended with culture and maturity. And I think that is one of the places where you have to start. We at the IRS are not in a position to have a one-size-fits-all kind of change. So different projects, different applications, different ones have different needs. Uh, as I was listening to them talk, and it was about, you know, are you doing agile? And it's like, oh, we have one every four months. I, I was thinking about some of the limitations we have at the IRS, this thing that comes around every year at the same time, filing season, tax season. We get legislation, we get changes specific at that time frame that we have to prepare for and deliver at that. It may not be a project built for Agile, but we have web applications who provide services to our taxpayer to give them the tools and the information that they need to make the requirements of the tax laws. Those can be Agile, and those are the areas that we try to focus on to be able to deliver those kinds of tools and mechanisms so that the taxpayers can get the things that they need to uh, take care of business. Bill said it, it was like a stagecoach and a starship. And I think that's a good analogy on some things. I think of a ship turning as well in a speedboat. It takes a while for a big ship to turn. That's sometimes the posture we find ourselves in. You've been doing things for a while to immediately change. You need things. You need underlying infrastructure. You need to build the culture. Because if you don't, you'll always be reaching for that next thing. Hey, we just deployed this new piece of technology that's now old right? Because you're doing those in, in steps that are on old infrastructure or in old ways. So you've got to kind of change that whole mindset first to where you can get to where you can adapt to quick changing activities that are coming along. When we talk about the metrics and the maturity level of agile versus waterfall, I, I actually had a conversation with somebody on this a little while back. That's one of the areas we want to target and look at. How fast is it and is it faster than before? But don't forget about things like security. How early are you finding security? It costs 10 times more to make a security defect correction towards the end of a deployment as it does at the beginning. What about your quality? Have you increased quality? Those things translate into uh, resources that can be now spent on other areas if your quality is, is, is higher. So, so it may not always just be faster to, to market, but those other things can play a role in um, your success and your maturity level in these processes as well. And the last thing I was going to talk about too is uh, for some agencies, people feel comfortable with a brick and mortar bank. 
and online banking is something that even society is getting more comfortable with, you know, 50-50 uh, probably now in America. Some like that rigid familiarity of a hometown bank. Some like to never see a bank or a building at all and do it all online. As a society, we're changing in that as well, and I think uh, people look at the uh, federal government, particularly I, I do in the IRS with the tax administration, the stability of that brick and mortar. And so that's a transition that not only we have to make, but the confidence that the American taxpayer and others have in us into this online world, we have to make sure that that is taken care of so that there's no uh, degradation to that. So. All right, we're going to come to your questions in a second. I'm going to ask my one logical follow-up. When you talk about the updating web applications, because IRS is really facing two, two challenges. On, on the one hand, you deal with some, some much legacy technology that's been on that modernization road, on that path for quite a number of years. But at the same time, you have the web applications that can be modernized constantly. Talk about how you kind of find that balance. They're not always directly tied. The data is the key, right? So as anyone does tax administration and you file your taxes, your data comes in. Next year, you need that data to be able to facilitate your, your tax uh, processing obligations. The web applications are facilitating that data back to you. Uh, I need to know, where's my refund? My IRS to go phone app, uh, can I get a transcript? Uh, filing for my kids FAFSA, I need transcript data and things like that. So the two aren't directly tied or dependent on each other in a uh, lockstep this moment, but the data is what drives it all. And so that data that we can provide back next year in the web applications through Agile Development is what, where we focus those resources on. We have to take a break. You just heard from Rob Hill, the executive officer for DevOps at the IRS. And before him, you heard from Bill Hunt, the mission operations lead in the office of the federal CIO. Today, I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the recent ATARC DevOps Summit. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the recent ATARC DevOps Summit. In this segment of the show, the panelists, Bill Pratt, the Director of Strategic Technology Management for DHS, Bill Hunt, the Mission Operations Lead in the Office of the Federal CIO, and Rob Hill, the Executive Officer for DevOps at the IRS, take questions from the audience. Larry Reagan from Maximus. Uh, we all know the culture change. Can you talk a little bit about how you are educating the different pockets of people? You mentioned even acquisition a little bit. You know, so there's different education that's required. Can you talk a little bit about that, please? Well, one of the things we do within our organization, within the IRS, are what we call road shows. We go and visit different uh, organizations who have responsibilities over infrastructure, over security, over development. And we do things like this with just our internal people where we talk to them about what we're doing, our goals, our directives. We answer their questions, and then we have breakout sessions, uh, just like we're doing with you all today. Um, from an OMB perspective, we're looking at a variety of different ways to try and move the conversation ahead realistically. And there are a couple of pieces that fall under the Cloud Smart policy. For instance, acquisition, bringing that one back up. Uh, we're actually working with uh, a couple of groups to try and create new learning materials for acquisition professionals across government so you can learn about cloud and internet technologies. Um, obviously, there's a, a whole world of new things that you need to understand uh, from SLAs all the way down before you can make uh, those acquisition choices. And uh, acquisition professionals are, quite frankly, struggling. Um, so that's one that we're really, really focusing 
working on. We're using uh, best practices we've seen across government in that uh, to try and build these up. For instance, uh, I'll call up my friends over at the VA because they've done a fantastic job through their USDS team to sit down with their acquisition professionals and just literally have digital service professionals talking to them about what they're trying to buy and why they're trying to buy it and how it impacts things. And then that same sort of education needs to flow all the way up the chain, you know, all the way to your SESs so that they understand uh, what these sorts of cultural change implications mean for their roles all the way through. Um, so we're trying to create more educational materials for that, but uh, OAB can only do so much. So it's also up to the agencies to just know that this is out there and that they need to be investing in it. And before Bill jumps in, a couple other tidbits just to throw out you guys is if you read the budget, the, the skinny budget, the, they did talk about an acquisition modernization plan uh, and, and some pilots are going to ask Congress for some. And I can only imagine, I don't know, Bill, how much you can talk about this, but it's imagine that Agile is going to be the key centerpiece to changing the acquisition process. And then the other piece is um, the U.S. Digital Service has their uh, entering another round of digital service training for, I guess, this summer coming up with some for acquisition professionals. So two, two kind of data points to, to kind of keep an eye on from, a, I guess, a vendor and agency perspective to how Agile is kind of developing. Cool, awesome stuff, and great question, thank you. So we do have, uh, and for a couple of years, we've had an Agile Center of Excellence at DHS. So we do, we do a monthly meeting where we bring in an industry expert to speak on one particular topic, or it might be some, one of the PMs from DHS who are doing something very well. And then we give them a, a status brief as well. Every other Monday at lunch, both of these happen at lunchtime too, we're kind of busy there, but every other Monday we have a coach's corner where folks from across DHS can call and ask one of our Agile coaches any question they have just to keep the conversation moving. And if they don't have any questions, then we push out a topic. Uh, we do a, an annual Agile Expo where we uh, bring all the PMs from DHS who are, have some cool things they're doing for Agile or DevOps or DevSecOps. And it's, all, it's not industry-based. It's all other uh, programs at DHS who are actually doing it. And that's working out really well. I love talking about the acquisition piece, though, because we literally are rewriting all of our acquisition right now from the first thought to getting it into production. We're doing what we're calling the streamlined software acquisition process. And uh, it's really, really exciting because, you know, talking to the acquisition folks, that's where the, that, you know, we had this agile del de delivery kind of done a couple of years ago. Obviously, you know, four months uh, deliveries is not going to make it. But we kind of had that working. So the big part that was missing was the acquisition piece. What do you do up front? And so many people were, you know, trying to fight their way through these acquisition uh, lifecycle documents, right? And they finally get to the point, like, in some cases, two, three years down the road, burning money out of hide, not getting any kind of money until they can finally let a contract. And then the contractor, a big integrator, might come in, toss all that work, and start over again, and you still don't have anything out the door for 18 months, right? And so what we're doing now is, with this new process we're putting into place right now, the policy's just been written, now we are going to go roadshow that to every component. But basically, we're going to build the, archi the architecture. We're going to build the infrastructure. The chief procurement officer has authorized us to get early money for these programs to help them build these, uh, the, you know, the stadium in which the game is going to be played, right? And by the end of by the time they get the rest of their money, where they formerly hadn't received any until now, they will have a, a full roadmap, they'll have an architecture, and they're, uh, we're gonna know for the first six to 12 months what they're actually gonna build from a business gap. So it's a radical, radical shift. We'll see how that goes. Check, check with me in a year. You still have a question? Yeah. Uh, my name is Wadajen uh, Charanet. Uh, I'm working at US course at, at the time, but. I, I used to be in USCIS and um, was uh, original 
uh, implementer of Agile DevOps with Zen uh, CIO Mark Schwartz. <clears throat> so USCIS now uh, we become the model of agile practitioner and DevOps and the maturity level is very high. Uh, the question to you is implementing DevOps or DevSecOps is a culture change. So if you uh, push the policy from DHS to other agencies, unless that component uh, organizational structure to implement Agile, and also by pushing down, since it's culture change, how does that implement? Uh, I know what we did in ESCIS become a model and uh, we are sharing knowledge to, uh, to others. How do you enforce that without the uh, bottom-up uh, culture change? Practically, you have to treat as a flat organization to implement in, in a way the right way to implement DevSecOps as well. Well, great question, and thank you for your service back at CIS. And Mark Schwartz is a good buddy as we were battling through how to do Agile at DHS in 2012. If you ever see his TED talk where he says, yeah, I came in from industry and started doing these, and, and there was these SDLC guys I had to deal with. I, well, that's, you know, I was at least one of those. So we had a lot of good conversations back there, but we found a good place. You know, GAO, even today, you know, we got to get the organization, uh, we got to get the oversight organizations kind of on board. They're still tracking us against, how are you going to do exactly this? Tell me, how are you going to get this, this functionality to be in March 2023 and guarantee that we're going to do it? Of course, we're, we've all been swagging that stuff for years, right? But you know, we have some pretty good estimates, but, uh, but to answer your question, what we are doing, and I've got a great organizational uh, change management expert on my rollout team this year, brought her in specifically for that so we can get people pushed. But, but for DevSecOps specifically, first of all, we've got to get the tool sets and the process in place to qualify to do it. And then slowly, you know, again, these agencies are all being measured against these 10 agile building blocks, right? And that is kind of the last one. So for every major program, which is where my responsibility comes in, the under 300 million and below are, are to the local CIOs and CAEs. For the majors, we're gonna, we're gonna get them all there and it's really just knocking on doors and saying, how can we help you do that? And so we've got you know, the technical staff, we've got the policy staff, and, um, and it will have the, the set of qualifying factors, the team managed deployment that comes right out of USCIS. You know, if you can prove that you can put this out there and if you can prove that the, you know, you've got this security built in, if you can prove all of the pipeline is good, then you know, let's get it out there and get going. But you know, culture change is huge. It's gigantic, and it's you know, it's the hardest thing, as as anybody will tell you, the hardest thing to do. Rob, so uh, yeah, I really appreciate that question. And so you all heard, you know, which does art imitate life or life imitate art? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Right? Those kind of questions that you try to have to answer. So the question I ask is, uh, does policy drive cultural change, or does cultural change drive policy? right and it, the answer is yes both right <laughs> all of those things so you, you have to kind of incrementally do these things you have to have grassroots change in culture to drive policy change to make it easier and more effective for us to change more and you have to continue through this cycle over and over now it's not quick right you wish 
This could be a revolution from 1967 where we all jump up together and we're like, yes, we're all on the same team here. Or it could be a policy change that everybody just totally embraces and goes. And neither one of those things are going to happen. So it's a constant cycle from the bottom and from the top uh, to facilitate that kind of cultural change. And unfortunately, that takes a little time because you both have to nibble on each other until we find that utopian center. So. We have to take a break. You just hear from Rob Hill, the executive officer for DevOps at the IRS, Bill Hunt, the mission operations lead in the office of the federal CIO, and Bill Pratt, the director for strategic technology management at DHS. Today, I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the recent ATARC DevOps Summit. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the recent ATARC DevOps Summit. In this segment of the show, the panelists, Bill Pratt, the Director of Strategic Technology Management from DHS, Bill Hunt, the Mission Operations Lead in the Office of the Federal CIO, and Rob Hill, the Executive Officer for DevOps at the IRS, continue to take questions from the audience. I have a question for Mr. William. Um, so you mentioned about the team-based deployments. So how do you actually uh, make sure that uh, there is not a silo which gets created within the team? Uh, in terms of like the governance, the auditing, how do you standardize that across the teams? And also the question is, in terms of like the cadence, uh, how do you actually do the deployment so that things are consistent? So can you just talk a little bit about the team-based deployments? And also the uh, disparity in the tools, if at all, that exists uh, within the teams. Was that disparity in the tools at the end? I didn't quite catch yeah. everything. Disparity Sorry. in the tools in the team-based environment. How, how does the teams work? And then security piece and the governance. So all of it. Okay, we got that. So the governance piece is probably the only one I'm qualified to talk about. But team managed deployment is basically, it's about eight rules. And I, I will not remember every one of them. But it's like, are you ready to do DevOps, right? The, one of the other aspects we're doing this year is implementing maturity models. You know, you're not agile, yes, or agile, no, right? It's not a switch you flip. You're not DevOps, yes, or DevOps, no. There's a maturity model that we're working towards, and there's Daryl Peak, and, and my former peer uh, worked uh, on this with me for many, many years. And, uh, and that's, that's where we're going to go. So you might only do the first two or three. You might only qualify for the first two or three things. Yeah, we, can, we have a container-based. You know, we, 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 we are hitting a certain cadence in our releases. But, you know, or, you know, we don't really have security building yet. Well, you're not ready to go yet. So it's really getting towards it and, and, and improving the mature, just like any agile thing, right? You don't, you don't have to be as perfect, you know, next, next sprint as you were, or, you know, but you have to be better, or hopefully. You don't have to be as good as that guy. You have to be better than you are today. And as far as the security piece, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't have a, a ton of data on that. I mean, one thing I'll share with the room, if anybody comes up with a streamlined ATO process and get me an ATO in like a day or a week or a month or a year, you know, not a year, I think we can probably do that right now. But you're, you know, you're, you just, you know, you're never going to have to be hungry again because, you know, the world of Peter Bath to your door. We're trying to tackle that right now. And uh, with, you know, varying levels of success, I think... I was talking to some guy in industry there the same way. Why can't we do this? Because you guys are obviously doing it. And he says, no, we're really not. And nobody is really doing that. And nobody's really cracked that quick ATO process. And it's, you know, security is important. You can't, you can't skip it to, you know, to get the stuff out faster. On the other hand, you know, you don't need to read these tomes. You know, we really need to get out of the documentation-based way of doing it as well. And there's lots of great strategies 
But you know, I don't know what the, what they are. But Bill, do we have any Bill, before, Bill, before you give the microphone up, just a real quick question. This may be a little bit outside your swim lane, but USCIS has done the the automatic the, the ATO. I wouldn't call it in a day, but but they have a, a continuous process where the code is constantly being checked. The code is any new code that comes in goes through a specific product. Maybe Bill's chickens. Maybe you want to. Were you going to jump on that or no? Well, I mean, I, I've met with them and they are doing it. So, but then I've but we have to get the U.S. The, we got to get the DHS headquarters guys to sign off on that and uh, and to and to roll it out across the rest of the agency. So, my, you know, my challenge, as I alluded to earlier, is really USCIS. They're my north star, man. Go rock on and you know show us how to do this. But then it's backfilling that to kind of everybody else, and that's the so that's down. the challenge. The trickle down effect. Mm -hmm. Bill Hunt. I would like to come back to the, the team's question because um, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that one. But uh, first, if you want to get to the one-day ATO, there's actually like a three-pronged approach that uh, I would uh, recommend people start looking into. Uh, please do. Number one is uh, a light and progressive ATO system so that you don't need a full ATO to like get to development and you know, actually stage out as your security needs grow. Um, that's first. Second, reciprocity. FedRAMP exists for a reason. Agencies need to use it and trust it. And uh, third, and most importantly, uh, the thing that we're here to talk about today, DevSecOps. Automation of your monitoring is critical. You can't have a process that is paperwork-based. You have to have a process where you're ongoing monitoring as much of your security controls as possible, automating as many of your security controls as possible, and that's how you get to a faster ATO process. Going back to your team question, team-based management for different groups who are trying to like engage and you're trying to do DevSecOps and trying to roll out constant deployments, that's actually hard. But the way they make it easy is teams have to communicate. At the end of the day, you cannot avoid communication if your teams are not talking to each other about where they're at with their feature sets, where they're trying to roll things out, what their like timelines look like. It's not going to work. We are doing agile, but we must continue to have schedules. We are the federal government. We are going to have timelines. Everybody needs to know what those are. Everybody needs to communicate them back and forth. You asked about tools. You don't have to have homogeneity of tools across your organization. That's not a necessity. It helps. Um, it's really useful if everybody is basically like, okay, we're all going to use GitHub. We're all going to use GitLab um, because they can cross communicate. It means communication actually becomes easier, you can tag each other and issues across teams, things like that become very, very streamlined when you have those sorts of homogeneity of tools. But it's not a requirement, you can do it without it. But communication is fundamentally the key to all of these things, tooling uh, and to having deployments that are successful. All right, another question back here. I work with Bill and Bill extensively, and, and one of the things I thought you brought up during the discussion was very important. You talked about experience, right? Knowing culture is a combination of belief and behaviors. When you think about experience, it's not only the customer experience, which you're trying to get the outcome, getting the Dev DevSecOps implemented, but also the employee experience. How do you upgrade your workforce in order to deliver? And I want to hear your thoughts on how are you looking at both in order to streamline the DevSecOps delivery approach? Excellent question. Sometimes we always look at these kind of changes and we think of the process and the technology. We have a three-pronged saying at the IRS, people, process, and technology, and that's like a mantra that we use over and over again. And people is on there in its first, and that is something that you can't overlook. Uh, we talk about the culture, we talk about all of these things. If the people aren't ready to adapt to this change, if they don't have the knowledge and skills and training to do this, then you're not going to be successful because they're the ones implementing it. Not my cultural change, not the policy change from the top, but the people who actually know how to implement these things and put them to good use. That's a hard thing to do, right? Um, changing environments, new technologies coming in. We talked about acquisitions. What are we getting? How long is that going to take? The training is a part of that, making sure they're up to speed on that right kind of technology. And then just the different way of doing things. My sons do things differently than I do. You can train me all day long. 
I may not get it as good as they are because they grew up with a different perspective on a lot of things. So we need to recruit, we need to hire, and we need to retain these young, talented individuals who have a new way of looking at things. And then we need to work with the old guys like me so that I can adapt to this and do the best that I can. So. You have to have people with the new skills coming in to be able to like train up existing staff, and your existing staff have to uh, be willing to be trained up and to learn new skills. Again, technology is a constantly moving target. Everyone has to continue to evolve. But I found that even the old guys, um, as I'm quickly becoming one of them, if you got into technology in the first place, it's because you like that things change. It's that you like solving problems. It's like that you like that there are hard things out there in the world to do. Um, some of us got into it for a paycheck, but I'm, I'm not speaking to you all. Hey, Bill, Bill, let me jump in real quick on, on the corner. One of the things that has come up with OMB and the reskilling side, and again, this may not be fall into your world, but I'll throw it out there anyways. We've seen reskilling for cyber. We've talked about a lot of upskilling. Is, is DevOps or this digital services, I know that there's the, the is, is that a workforce issue that's rose to the top yet, or we're still so focused on the cyber side that maybe that's the next one or the next two? Uh, conveniently enough, this does fall under my program areas. So yes, uh, this is one of the things that we are actually prioritizing. You know, as we're looking at things like the Cyber Workforce Reskilling Academy, which you all probably saw, we just did the pilot on. We're doing a second pilot coming up. That's only going to be 25 people on the pilot. It's a small number, you know, around cybersecurity skills. But DesktopOps plays directly into these cybersecurity skills that we were talking about. These things are intimately tied together at the end of the day. And we're looking for other opportunities to pilot these things out with agencies over and over and again. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, going back to you know what Daryl was starting to ask at and, and digging in on. Um, if you don't have that enthusiasm from your professional staff, um, you're not going to see that level of maturity and growth. You're not going to get that enthusiasm. One of the great things about the Cyber Workforce Reskilling Academy is it's taking existing professionals in government that do not have a cybersecurity background and giving them the opportunity to gain a cybersecurity background and take some of these jobs. We have thousands of openings in the cybersecurity field right now across the federal government, and we have a large standing existing workforce that we need to reskill and retrain for modern technology. These things really, really closely tie together. There's no reason that we can't solve the problem with existing staff in many cases. We're going to go over here to another question since Tom gave me the five-minute warning. I want to get her and then one other gentleman over there. Hi, Raven Manuel from the Smithsonian Institution, the Museum of African American History and Culture. Really long. Um, we're, we are agile, and I have two questions. One is bottlenecks, because you mentioned the um, product owner. So we have a product owner and a PM, and they're also doing their internal um, testing for the stakeholders. They're a bottleneck. And two, um, user stories. I'm a developer as well in the dev lead. And I find that the, the, we implement really fast. And then, but the user stories, if they're not clear or um, they have good ACs, then the project isn't going to go really fast. So I want to know how you deal with or how do you teach Agile, because that's a part of Agile, and one of them is the user stories. And then how do you deal with the bottleneck when you are looking up and it's like the product owner? So at the end of the day, if you read uh, the definition of Agile, it's about people over process. If your process is keeping your people from being able to do their jobs, then you need to adjust your process. If writing down laborious user stories is literally the slowest part and you can't get things shipped as a result, you need to streamline your process for writing user stories or increase the number of people that you have writing user stories at the end of the day. There isn't a magical fix. I would never recommend you just not do user stories because that's such a fundamentally important piece of the process. But you do have to find ways that you adjust your process to make it work. Everybody gets tied up in Kanban or whatever they're trying to do and making story points and cards and whatnot, 
That is not the point of Agile. That's not what you should be there to do. You're there to take the people that you have and be able to have a process that enables them to do their jobs better and faster. If you're not doing that, you're not doing Agile. That's all the time we have for today. For this show, I played excerpts of a panel I moderated at the recent HR DevOps Summit. The panelists were Bill Pratt, the Director of Strategic Technology Management at the Homeland Security Department, Bill Hunt, the Mission Operations Lead in the Office of Management and Budgets, Office of the Federal CIO, and Rob Hill, the Executive Officer for DevOps at the IRS. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. Hey, electrical contractors, I'm Matt from ABB. Are rising costs and product delays keeping you up at night? We can help you contractor better. ABB's contractor resources are designed to help you increase productivity and profitability on your commercial construction projects. Check out Contractor Better today. Visit go.abb contractorbetter contractor better.